to the Beyond Now podcast. My name is George Boot. I'm your host for today and a commercial development manager here at Acquired.com. Now, this episode is a is a close one for me. I've really enjoyed this one. Um, you know, being a football fan myself, uh, I followed the Premier League, I followed the Championship last season, um, and Burnley were a pretty pretty hot topic at the time. It was pretty plain sailing towards the end of it, but um, Chris didn't want to talk much about it. He wanted to let the players do the work towards the end of the season when we first caught up at the Ticketing Business Forum this year. Um, I managed to get him locked down for a time on a podcast. He's a man in demand. Um, we covered a lot of things. We covered everything around ticketing. So, uh, you know, everything from the digital adoption of ticketing, you know, how has COVID enhanced the journey? How has, uh, just everyone now working from a phone, you know, when you go to airports, you know, Chris references, when we go to airports, everything's on our phone now, boarding passes, you name it, it's on our phones. Um, we talk about NFC tickets. We talk about, uh, customer journey and how providing a payment journey as, as seamless as possible and giving customers the the most ways to pay is the best way forward. Um, and then we also touch on a lot of other things, but one thing I want to know is uh, I want to bring to life in the intro is we do touch on the reseller market. Um, I think it's quite an industry hot topic at the moment and it's something that I know that Chris wanted to talk about. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this one. We haven't chatted since the the end of the season. Um, so it, we, you, you guys did pull through, uh, it was a great <laughs> end to the season. Um, I know you couldn't say much on it at the time, but I know you, were you were a little bit nervous at the time, but it was pl- pretty plain sailing from the last time we spoke. Um, but what's the, what's the vibe around the office? Is it, uh, buzzing for the, buzzing for the seasons to get going again? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, sort of internally we have been planning for this for quite a while but yeah sort of that you you're always sort of in the background being a bit or oh, something goes wrong or you just never know what 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 can quite happen but yeah until it's until it's 100 confirmed but yeah obviously got it done nice and early so yeah we have been planning quite a bit but yeah there's a lot of a lot of excitement buzz around the place both internally from staff point of view but also supporters and things like that people are mm. uh are really excited which is meant some pretty good things for us we saw plenty of tickets um already yeah, for yeah. next season yeah put us in a really strong position so yeah it's uh, certainly a pretty good buzz around the place at the minute yeah good stuff i think it's always a great way to start the season right and it's always a nice place to go to work when everyone's hyped and pumped up and ready to go right yeah it makes a huge difference the atmosphere atmosphere in around the place obviously i've been here when they've been relegated and now obviously here when they've been promoted and the difference between the two of them is uh yeah very different i know which one i'd rather come into a bit more often <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think as a as any business, I think it's nice to come into an office when the business is on plan and doing the right things, right? When you're on the decline, it's never a nice place to go. Um, but no, great stuff. Look, before we get into this, Chris, oh, before we get into the depths of the details is what we want to talk about, all the kind of things like digital adoption, dynamic pricing, NFC ticketing, all that kind of stuff. Um, for the context of me, all the listeners and everything, can you just give a bit of an intro as to who you are, what you do, and equally how you got into ticketing? Uh, I think that'd be a great place to start. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm Chris. I'm head of ticketing here at Burley Football Club. Uh, I've been here just over 18 months now. Uh, and previously, I was at Yorkshire Cricket doing a very sort of similarish job. So that, and that's effectively where where I all started off. So I went to university in Leeds, and not really sure what I wanted to do, um, but knew that I wanted to do something involved in involved within sport. Not sure what that was, uh, and basically an opportunity came up to uh, do some voluntary work in the ticket office at Yorkshire. So I thought I'd give that a bit of a go, um, and then that's where it started. So that led to full time work, 
Uh, and then, sorry, that led to part-time work during university, finished university, that went to full-time work. And then from full-time work there, just worked, 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 worked up the ladder. So did, uh, did about two years in the ticket office, then did some uh, hospitality commercial sales for about two years, and then went back to the ticket office to, to become ticket office manager and did that for uh, probably about two years, but a good year of that was taken out from COVID. And so I was there for a little bit. And then, yeah, now here at, here at Burnley. Great stuff. I think first question around that is probably how have you seen a shift? I mean, we are, I'm a big football fan. I'm a Manchester United fan for anyone that's listening that wants to give me some hate online. Um, but the, you know, I find football so tribal in regards to the way that it's the, the way that it's run, right? Football clubs and, and the fan bases and stuff like that. Is that the same in cricket? Is that something that you've had to adapt to over time and moving into different roles? Uh, that's probably the biggest contrast between football and cricket. Um, so football, you have a team and that's, and that is effectively your, your team. Um, and you will only go and really follow that team. You might go to maybe potentially another country to go and watch the team, but you wouldn't, as a Burnley fan, you wouldn't randomly go and watch a game at Preston, really. That just that just wouldn't happen. Whereas in cricket, that would be the case. You just go wherever you are for a, to go and watch a game of cricket. It's so obviously the Ashes is on at the minute. You'll get people from all over the country coming to watch that. That won't just be from people within Yorkshire. I suppose that's the biggest difference, that within cricket, the international England games are just so much bigger than the than the domestic games that it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, so effectively, whereas you've got Burnley here every week with sellout crowds, a lot of the cricket is a bit more of a struggle, um, but the internationals you could sell four or five times over, and that's probably the sort of the big main difference, I would say. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think as a, as a United fan, I wouldn't go and watch. I mean, I, I think I'm different, actually. I think I'm in a position where I just enjoy watching good football. Um, so I think if I was offered tickets to go and watch a football game, I think I would, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I wouldn't go at my own expenditure to watch uh, another Premier League club play another Premier League club. Um, exactly. I, yeah. I suppose, I, I suppose, I was, like ticketed, ticketed is one example, but sort of outside of ticketing the, and the club in general, you wouldn't go and buy a Manchester City shirt, would you? You wouldn't go no and, and buy that sort of thing, and 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 that's very much you that you, you tribal. Whereas cricket, you can target almost anyone and try and get them to come, like you, a first time fan, this that and the other. Whereas Football is a little bit more difficult in that sense because a lot of people already have teams. Um, so, you, so you are trying to grow your audience to a certain aspect, but you're also just trying to really engage with your current audience. Whereas in cricket, you are engaging with your current audience a little bit, but you're constantly looking at ways to grow a new audience. Mm. Yeah, I suppose that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to get into the digital adoption side of things just because... I think that a lot of what we're going to talk about is a result of a more digital world that we now live in. Um, so with that in mind, what, um, I think we've got a bit of a bit of car. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great. Um, how has the kind of digital adoption and the way that you approach ticketing changed due to digital adoption i mean when you came into it i think i, I remember hearing you on a podcast you're 29 right i'm 27 yeah. we're not we're not old folk as of yet or i'd like to think not um you know so whenever i've gone and bought ticket it's been a digital experience i can't remember the last time i went to a turnstile or a ticketing office at a stadium and bought a ticket right there and then to consume and go to that match or that or that event so how has 
digital and, and living in a digital world changed the way that you sell tickets? <laughs> Massively. Um, so I think I think COVID, COVID helped a lot and it was already sort of starting to move that way gradually, slowly, but surely. But COVID just took it to another level and just escalated it a lot, lot quicker. Um, so, so for us working within ticketing, purely it's just on a staffing, the, the labor and the time that it takes in order to fulfill tickets. So I used perfectly the, um, so when I worked at Yorkshire, we did a lot of test matches and they were all ticketed and you would be sending out 18,000 tickets per day. So printing 18,000 tickets times five days for a five-day test match and sending them out, that could take two weeks to do, like two weeks of full-on work. Whereas now it's just a click of a button and you've just saved yourself effectively two weeks work for, and you've obviously saved on the printing costs, um, uh, ticket stock, everything else. And like, if you had to get casual members of staff in for, to cover labor, you've effectively saved on that for that, for that two week period. So it's made a huge difference in that. But also I, th- I, I just think it's with supporters now getting used to it and just, it's what they're comfortable with. Like a lot of people now, whenever you do anything like going to the airport, when you used to check in and, and and by that that's now all digital and it's just the way that it's moving now and it's just so much more efficient and just easier way to do it that you're not that you literally buy something and then it's in your wallet and it's in your ticket wallet and it's just done then isn't it and you don't have to worry about it anymore you don't yeah. have to phone someone oh i haven't been seen my tickets yet when will i get my tickets you've just already got it so you know it's no it's all done so yeah it helps massively so do you think do you think that that's made it easier or potentially harder to actually keep engaged with fans and equally keeping them uh, as a close knit community? Do you think that's made that harder or easier? Um, I think it's just different. It's just a different way of doing mm. it, isn't it? If you've got it, if you've got it on, so a lot of clubs now have got apps. We've got an app ourselves, and it's just keeping supporters up to date on an app instead of instead of being within a different place. But yeah, it's it's just a different way of working. There's, I mean, there's loads of um, like Facebook's a great place for it. Like there's obviously loads of people within within Facebook that are Burnley fans that will communicate there that previously in a pre digital era probably would never have spoken to each other or never even known each other because. How would they know each other unless they'd met a game mm. before where they can often speak and communicate? Um, and it's just a completely different way of operating and working. Not to say one's right and one's wrong, but certainly, certainly for the for the time being and where we're at, I certainly prefer a, a digital way of working. Yeah, I think most brands would probably agree with that. I think I live by the kind of saying of almost brand is built on social media these days. Um, with the kind of audiences that we're looking at and the kind of way people are living, we're almost cyborgs with the amount we hold our phones. I don't think we're half the human beings that we are or we think we are without our phones. Um, so living in a world like that kind of changes everything, right? Um, moving on, I, I want to touch on or, or moving that kind of pushes us nicely into kind of the NFC ticketing space. You know, w- what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that could be the future as to the way this whole function works? Yeah, I- I think so. I really do. Um, I mean, for me personally now, like it's gotten to the point where I don't even really take it so like on a complete in the same the same principle. But obviously, Apple Pay is done with sort of similarish technology. I I don't take a a blank card out with me anymore. I just I just have my phone and it's just done. And I think that's the way it will be that people will just have so like to your point before on how much people use phones like. They do use phones an awful lot, um, and it's just easier if it's all in that one place. You don't have to. You don't have to then go. I know it's only a little bit extra, but if you grab your phone, oh, then I have to remember my wallet. Make sure my season cards in there, or just double check. Whereas it's job done. It's just in your phone, isn't it? And you know it's there. And I just think it's a nice way, nice way of doing it. And I think there's a bit of uh, nervousness and, and reservation from certain people that because 
not sure they think it 100% works, but you can see from tests and trials that it, that it definitely does. And, and if mm. people wouldn't be rolling it out if they weren't if they weren't 100% confident within it. And but I do, yeah, I, I do think that's definitely the way forward, and, and a lot of confidence within that. And so like one of one of the problems that that may potentially come though with with sort of more digital thing is obviously the forwarding on of tickets. It's so easy to to purchase a ticket, have a ticket, and then forward it on. So that that's that's probably one of the one of the issues that I can see arising, but. People now are starting to get to the point where barcodes are moving, so barcodes are sort of dynamic and constantly changing. So, so that's not really an option. So, yeah, there's, there's ways around it, and obviously for all the positives it brings, there is a couple of negatives. But I definitely think there's a lot more positives to it than, uh, than negatives. And what I mean, if you, how does that streamline your internal processing? Like you mentioned earlier, around sending out eighteen thousand. You know, paper tickets five times a week. You know, what? How, how does that look like from a streamlining perspective? Um, um, uh, and what kind of opportunity does that bring the club to essentially use that spend elsewhere? You know, there's, there's a lot of manual process using paper and stuff like that. So, what kind of opportunities come from clubs implementing NFC? So, so, so for us, so we we for all of our home tickets, they're all operated through QR codes and. For all of our home tickets, so effectively, we, we we don't do anything. We we literally sell someone a ticket, and then at the point of sale, that that's it. It's done. It's completed. There's no extra work required. Like the they they, they will get the ticket with the order confirmation, and, and and that is it done. As opposed to then we have to if someone if if two hundred people have bought online overnight, we have to jump on the next day, print the tickets, put them in the envelopes, and then send them out. That that's just gone now. We just don't do it. If someone buys if someone buys a, a ticket at two o'clock in the morning. They get there to get at two o'clock in the morning. They don't have to wait for us to open up at nine o'clock to then jump on, see what's been done, print it off, and then and then send it out. And I think that's the difference it makes. It just gives people that that clarity that they have the ticket there and then, and they're not waiting on anyone. There's no there's no humans involved. There's no nothing. It is just done. So once once everything is set up and it's good to go, that's it. It's it's done. Our pit there is done, and that frees up I suppose more time then to deal with any inquiries or queries or anything that, that comes through. Um, because we're not having to fulfil all them tickets, which makes a huge difference. Mm. Are you are you collecting feedback from all of your all of your fans and stuff like that on how their re, on how their reaction is to all of this change? Or what kind of feedback have you been getting? Uh, it, I, sp- I suppose it's it's very mixed. Like some of them obviously love the idea of uh, of a physical card, physical ticket, because they love collecting them. But a lot of them are now coming round to the idea that that it is what it is. I think certainly think a, a younger audience prefer something a little bit more digital because naturally it's what they've grown up with. Um, mm. Well, I think they are now all coming round to it. I think surprisingly, it's not necessarily always the the older people that are a bit more reluctant, which you, which people might expect. Everyone's becoming a lot more open to it because to the point everywhere is doing it now. We're, we're no longer just. It's no longer like it's just football that's doing it. Every walk of life is doing it. If you go, if you go on holiday to the airport, it's done for your phone. There's just so many, mm. so many places now that are doing it that way. So people have just naturally become a lot more used to it, and and I think naturally just feel a lot more comfortable with it. Probably be another couple of years before everyone fully adopts it and feels completely comfortable with it. But it, I mean, it's a bit. I, I wasn't around when sort of bank cards came out for the first time, but I imagine as people move from from cash to bank cards, I imagine that was exactly the same. And it would just be a gradual process like that. I think. But people people are coming around to it a lot lot more than 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 probably what they would have done pre COVID, and that's what I mean to the point where I think COVID really has accelerated it because I think mm. it's naturally coming in, whereas COVID has has really sort of kicked kicked it along, and people had to do it for COVID and then just stuck with it, found out it works, and then have just gone with it. 
Yeah, and I think you touched on it earlier around you you, you not even carrying cash or cattle, not carrying a card with you anymore, carrying a wallet. You know, I don't, I barely carry anything with me anymore. It's all in my Apple wallet. It's all on my phone, which is why I suppose people are now expecting a more seamless journey when it comes to pretty much everything they do, right? And when it comes to, when they get to that turnstile, I've got it on my phone. When I get to the front of that venue, I've got it on my phone. Um, you know, whether that might be embedded in an email as a QR code, whether it is with inside their Apple wallet or within their app, uh, whatever it might be. Unfortunately, I think technology is only making us more lazy as a, <laughs> and, and I think, but equally, we're just streamlining every single process. All of this is a benefit to the club. It's a benefit to everything. So, I mean, how important for you is your digital journey when it comes to selling tickets and how often do you review that process and equally say, right, okay, can we start to look at offering other payment methods now? We're not just going to start taking card. You know, how does that look internally and how often do you have those discussions? Uh, pretty regular, to be honest. I mean, the 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 one of the main points of conversation regularly is how easy is it for a supporter to buy a ticket? Because um, you want it to be as easy as possible. Like, to, to, to touch on your point there, like how lazy people have come when you go on to jump on something now and if someone has sort of Apple Pay installed, you literally just one click, one click, face ID, and all your details are filled in. You don't have to fill in your name anymore, your address. Like it just makes like you can you can buy a ticket within thirty seconds. Like if 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 you detail and and that's what you want it to become. You want it to become as easy as possible for people to buy tickets. And then likewise on top of that, like current supporters, you want it to be easy for just them to stay up to date, keep up to date with all the information that that is out there. But yeah, you just want it to be as easy and as seamless as possible. And it is something hmm. we look at regularly, but. It's just, yeah, it's the time and infrastructure that, that's required to change it. But it is certainly something that we look at pretty regularly. I think it's sometimes, I think we talk about, um, you know, payment methods and seamless checkout when we're talking about retail. So selling shirts, selling, you know, that kind of fast fashion world due to its competitive nature. But I still don't think that it's ever talked about enough in the other elements of a consumer journey, right? Although you might be... And equally, it's not talked about from a security metric as well. As a club, you know, from a from a season ticket perspective, you know, these things aren't cheap. They're not cheap purchases. They're they're yearly purchases for a consumer. Therefore, they want to know that they're making the most secure transaction. So Apple Pay and other forms of multiple payment methods are probably the best way to do it due to their their biometric authentication process. You know, it completely bypasses all of the 3D secure process, which is the clunky process we see now. Um, you know, so we're completely bypassing that whilst giving the consumer a really, really easy way to pay. Um, so I think all round, I think we're all on the right track with that one. Um, I wanted to go back on something you said around collectibles. Um, I didn't send this over as a, as a, as a pre-vet question. So I'm going to be interested to get your take on it, but the kind of NFT market, you know, we talked about collectibles. We know how important it is for some fans to be collecting. You know, where do you see that market going? And I know the technology probably isn't quite there yet for us to really understand it and for the user adoption to be there. But do you do you see NFTs being something that can enhance the ticketing process and equally give a fan a better experience? Yeah, 100%. So it is actually something that we potentially explored. We were looking into the looking into the idea a while ago. The, the, yeah, to touch on your point, the idea was that... Uh, the level of the level of technology that we required for a ticketing uh, for, for for to do something like that just wasn't at the level that we needed to be at the time being. But I definitely think that's going to be something that grows and 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 definitely um, over the next few years improves. Because yeah, to, to to the point if we are going to completely get rid of 
paper physical tickets, then people do want to collect something. And I think that would definitely become into it. Like there's um, digital players card, like you used to collect cards back in the day as, as football players, and that's now all moving to digital. So it is just naturally just following a bit of a bit of a trend and a bit of a pattern there. But yeah, definitely can see NFT ticketing coming into it at certain points. The prop, the problem will be is getting it to the level that you would need that it would be integrated within a current ticketed system. I think it would be quite difficult for a new provider to come in, come into mm. that space and operate as a as a ticketing provider that also does NFTs on. Uh, sorry, that's NFT first and then will sell tickets. I think it needs to be a ticketing provider that will integrate NFTs with within it, which I think will happen at some point. Yeah, and I think again that goes back to us understanding um, that it's. I think these platforms drive pretty much everything. I think we've spoken in the past around how important a platform is and the functionality behind that platform. Um, and if that platform can support these things, it's only going to make lives easier for yourself, which of course we want. Uh, we want it to be as easy as possible for you to make a, a or create a better fan experience. So like you say, I think the less systems, the better, the more you can consolidate them, the better. But equally, like you say, if, a, if the likes of a Ticketmaster or a SeatGeek go to let's let's have a look at the nft space you're only yeah. going to want to explore that with them um yeah. you know i also want to go on to um a quite an industry hot topic at the moment in the in the world of dynamic pricing can you just go into a little bit just for someone who's listening that doesn't actually know what it is or what that means or an example of it can you just maybe give an overview of what it is and how potentially it can be used within the football within the football sector yeah absolutely um so effectively the first place I knew of sort of dynamic pricing coming in was within aeroplanes. So if you've got 200 seats on an aeroplane, the less the less seats that are become available, the more expensive they become. It's just naturally just supply and demand. Um, and effectively, that would come into to, to football clubs in exactly the same way. If you have a couple of thousand tickets, you will sell them at, at whatever price. But if you there's, there's effectively, there's two ways to do it. So the first way to do it is if you have 2,000 tickets available... And then um, a thousand of them go on the first day. You would then probably reassess the price and put it up a little bit more, and it would naturally just keep going up and up and up. So you, so basically, you can maximise the the amount of uh, revenue from that. So that so that's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it is purely on people looking at that that point in time, which is a lot of what sort of concerts do, where if tickets for someone go on sale at a certain time and you have thousands upon thousands of people so say that say there's five thousand tickets go on sale but you have 120,000 people jumping on the web page that will just naturally put the ticket pricing up because just supply and demand for getting the most of of what you want but one of the other things that i think it does actually have a benefit for certainly within football is we'll eventually um stop the resale the resale market there's a lot of sort of illegal illegal resales people will buy tickets for really cheap and then we'll sell them on third-party platforms for a ridiculous amount of money Whereas now, hopefully, that will then start to start to mitigate that away when the club are, club are in complete control of it. So it avoids people coming in to buy tickets at £30 and selling them for £200 when they're being sold naturally at £100. Listen, it's not, it does make some people feel a lot uh, quite uncomfortable with it, but it's just naturally just supply and demand. And if you can sell your tickets for that price, um, I don't see why you shouldn't. Mm. Yeah. And I think. I'm racking my brains to think what other industries do it, but from a from an element of, of supply and demand, it's something that we all do, right? Off the top of my head, I can't think of a scenario, but we look at most industries, I'm sure there's going to be 
you know, look, let's, let's take trainers and fast fashion, for example. A certain amount of trainers are sold. We look at the Yeezys, Adidas launches, Supreme launches, whatever it might be. These are supply and demand, right? They've got, they've got a small amount of things, um, and I'm sure these guys adopt something similar. Um, but on the reselling market, I think we, we're in a world now where we've got a lot more people wanting to do their own businesses. They're very more, a lot more entrepreneurial people out there. So I know that there are certain elements within ticketing platforms that allow you to do that reseller model. I mean, how do you, but it's, it's not something that I've seen in the digital world of football. It's more like someone's selling them outside the ground where I've seen that at Old Trafford. We've had people selling their, you know, fake tickets outside the ground and stuff, but how do you see that? And what's your thoughts on that reseller market at the moment? Uh, so, so clubs are starting to adopt. So we've got one ourselves where effectively a season ticket holder who can't attend can give the ticket back to us. They, that's all done digitally. They can do it all themselves and then we, we will resell that on. So then it effectively, effectively covers that. The problem is, yeah, someone coming in to buy single game tickets. So we have, I've worked at a number of different places. I've seen it happen for where people buy a ticket for 30, 35 pounds and then we'll resell that on for a good couple of hundred pounds. Um, it is technically illegal, um, but that <laughs> tends to stop. Uh, so yeah, I, I find that yeah. quite difficult. People seeing people rip rip people off like that, and a lot of the times they can be fake tickets, um, which becomes really difficult then because obviously it puts puts the um, the club's name in in because they're like, well, I've bought I've bought say if it happens to us, I've bought a Burnley Football Club ticket. Well, y- yes, you think you've bought a Burnley Football Club ticket, but you've bought it from someone else and from a different website, which between me and you now is quite easy to have but then when they've just effectively lost 200 pounds can become a really difficult conversation be like well i hate burnley i hate this and actually it's not actually our fault and we have very little control over that so i do find that really really difficult um, hmm. and hopefully sort of the idea is that that with the dynamic pricing it would it would hopefully um stop that but we'll we'll see but unfortunately where people see certainly for the huge massive um massive fixtures you're just naturally going to get people that are going to try and piggyback off the back of it and try and make themselves a couple of extra quid Mm. yeah and i suppose the difference within a football club is obviously you've got you've got maybe 60 percent week on week out of your fans returning on a on a on a season ticket basis over an actual match day purchase i mean do you see do you ever see that changing do you ever think do you know what let's try and sell more season tickets that could potentially limit the amount of potential reseller tickets but equally you don't want to you don't want to then neglect other fans that can't necessarily afford the season ticket that just want to come on occasions of games it's such it's such a difficult question because because in theory you you see if it depends on what 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 line of what what you're interested in and what you're going down like if you if you're following the perfect model you like perfect commercial revenue model, you really wouldn't do many season tickets and you would just sell as many as you can match by match because you can probably make a little bit more money from it that way. But we, we've we actually gone the other way. We've sold as many season tickets as we possibly can. So we can, we've can we sold effectively 95% of our home home tickets are covered now by season tickets. We've only kept the 5% back for, for single game. And, and then hopefully off the back of this, we will encourage season ticket holders, um, season ticket holders to then purchase... Uh, to then resell their tickets back for us. But we've also introduced a membership. So the only way you can get one of them 5% single game tickets would probably be with a membership. So it just adds to that point then that you definitely know that they are a Burnley fan that is buying them tickets. And it hopefully hopefully then should reduce the amount of people that were coming in uh, off anywhere, buying a ticket and then trying to resell it on. But again, it'd be mm. like, again if someone someone gets offered, um, offered a lot of money for a ticket, it becomes quite difficult for them to turn it down. But 
it, the the hope and the thought is that they are if they are strong passionate fans of that club and, and that club being Burnley then yeah they 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 wouldn't accept that and they just want to go and watch their team and they're not necessarily bothered about that yeah I mean we initially met each other at the ticketing expo and I think or the ticketing forum and I listened to a talk there and it was by the managing director of FC Copenhagen and they were talking about they've now implemented their subscription model for their season tickets. Um, not sure whether you've read a lot about it or you know about that kind of model. Have you? Is that something you thought about or... Yeah, so, so we thought so we have a direct debit, we have a direct debit option available which we've spread over 12, 12 months and have done that for a number of years now and that's made a... I wasn't here when that was introduced but that has made a massive impact just allowing people to just obviously spread payments um, mm. spread payments spread payments over a 12 month period because obviously an outlay for a season ticket if you effectively if you're a family of four you can be paying i mean we we have one of the cheapest well we actually have the the cheapest season tickets in the premier league and but even then a family of four can cost you nearly 1200 pounds depending on whereabouts you want to sit and paying that in one big chunk is pretty expensive whereas if you can spread the payments with um 0% APR, then yeah, it does, does make a huge, huge difference. But yeah, going on to the subscription side, because that's ever so slightly different from, from the mm. direct debit model that we've had. Yes, it is something that we've looked at. But I think there's a cool, cool opportunity there that maybe you can do it, but you can just you can just do it for a shorter period of time. I don't know how it works, but the idea is that I thought that potentially someone comes in and buys two, three months worth of fixtures and spreads that out over the th over the three-month payments instead of maybe necessarily commit to a season ticket or they could just keep going month by month. And you, But a lot again, one of the problems we had is you don't know how many fixtures. If, if it was a perfect world and you had two home fixtures, two home fixtures, two away fixtures every month, then this would be a great way to do it, that you could potentially do it. But there's some fixtures where you could only maybe have one home fixture and three away or three three away and one home. And, it, and, and just trying to figure figure that out but i definitely think there's something there where people can come in just set up a subscription and just do it for three four five six months whatever it is maybe not necessarily commit to a full full long season full-time season ticket but maybe come to six seven games but get them at a season ticket rate but spread spread payments potentially that's um that's one of the mm. things that i've looked at but yeah still still yeah. figure out because i think one of the things that he mentioned was the whole subscription piece was that if you don't let the club know that you're attending a match, then they will therefore then push that ticket out to a season for it to a another subscription holder. Um, yeah. I, I just thought it was a really, really interesting model. And quite frankly, something I've never thought about when looking at a Manchester United season ticket or any other venue season ticket for that example. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting concept. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, the, sorry, go on. We go no, but I, I was going to say, yeah, it is. It is a really, it is a really cool concept and a, and a and a new sort of funky idea. And I, I definitely think it's one of them ones within within football, but sports in general. As soon as someone starts off and trailblazes within it, normally if it's a good idea, others will catch up within two three years, and then you'll start to see it. So I would, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see loads of clubs now catching up with that and and starting to take over that space. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Look, I'm mindful of time. Um, one thing I just wanted to ask towards the end was kind of like, to what advice would you have uh, for someone that's looking to get into the ticketing space? Because I'm mindful not everyone's going to be ahead of ticketing that listens to this. Um, so what advice have you got for, uh, for anyone that's kind of in your space, looking to get into a similar role for you uh, as you, sorry. Uh, yeah, what advice have you got for them? So... The, well, the advice I always give people, certainly a lot of young people that, that I sort of speak to, is just get your foot in the door somewhere. Just give up a bit of time, experience, and just grow your network. Start to 
start to meet people because um, you just never know where it could potentially end up. It might not necessarily mean that you get a job um, with them directly, but might be the case that if, say, if someone came in and did some experience for us, got the foot in the door, we liked them, we might not have a job here, but there might be a job at another club further, further up the road. And they will be like, oh, I can see someone's done some experience here. Picked up the phone straight away. Yeah, really brilliant person. Unfortunately, we we didn't have the uh, didn't have the uh, opportunity available for them. But yeah, you would hundred percent be be hiring the right person there, and and that just stands you in good stead. And that's the best way to get into sports slash football. Just giving giving up a bit of time, getting a bit of experience, and just getting your foot in the door somewhere. And it might yeah might not necessarily lead to a job there, but could certainly lead. Because one thing that I have learned very very quickly is sport, cricket, football, all of them is very very. I use the word clicky, and I, I don't like using that word clicky, but it is effectively the amount of people I've gone somewhere and said, met someone from another club. Oh, I know such a body. I know such a body at Burnley, such a body at Burnley. And then I mentioned, oh, I know such a body. And, you, and it's amazing how many times I've been out or been to events and amazing how many people actually know each other. Um, mm. So, yeah, all stand you in good stead. So I definitely say that. And then final one is... Yeah, just be enthusiastic, just be keen, willing to learn, and and then you never know where it could where it could potentially take you. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that I noticed about the ticketing forum is you know it's the first event that I've gone to where everyone do, did seem to know everyone. Um, I'm not sure how many times you've been. How many times have you been to the ticketing expo? Was that the first time? No, it's the second time. Second time. So I mean, that was the first time I'd gone, and it was the first event where I was actually encouraged to go into the room, even as an attendee where go into the room and talk to people. People want to have a chat. Everyone seems to know each other. Um, and it was just a really nice environment to be in. And that's, you know, kind of why I came and had a chat with you. And, you know, there's lots of interesting talks. So I uh, I hope to see you there next year as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And back to your point, yeah, it's a great great place to speak and, and meet people for best practice, but also just catch up with your old in the same boat. You all do roughly the roughly the same thing. You'd be like, oh, I'm having a bit of this, bit of a problem with this at the minute, or I had real success with that. And just getting, just speaking to each other and just catching up really. Yeah, it's always good. Yeah, totally agree. Um, look, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with me, mate. Um, we will, uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, no worries, enjoyed it. Thank you very much, George. Speak to you soon. No worries.